On today's episode of the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, the Bears start the season 3-0 for the first time since 2013 thanks to a fourth-quarter comeback led by quarterback Nick Foles. We'll break down the Bears' latest victory, then transition over to baseball and talk about the Cubs' series victory over the White Sox. That and more fun along the way on Episode 6, now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best, in my opinion, Chicago Sports Talk. He's Dan Collins. I'm Joey Gelman. He's at TweetDanCollins on Twitter. I'm at Joey Gelman on Twitter. We are part of the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, which is part of the Believe Podcast Network, your number one network for professionals. And Dan, I didn't think we'd get here until... Many weeks down the line, but here we are. We have a game to break down. I know that, but the biggest story is the Bears decided to go with Nick Foles in this game to help them come back and defeat the Falcons 30-26. to And we'll talk about everything that got there. We're going to talk about what this means for the franchise moving forward. We're going to also sprinkle in some baseball, like Dan said in the teaser at the end of the show. But this is a big moment for the trajectory of this Bears team. Everything is changed now because Matt Nagy decided to make this change at quarterback. And there's a lot of fans that have been clamoring for this for a while, and now it's a reality. And now we have a different vision and a different outlook for this team moving forward. But I'll bring in Dan and get his his, his thoughts here too on this. But before we jump into the game, Dan, what was your reaction when they brought in Nick Foles? Well, first... I'm going to give you my reaction after the game. He's no Patrick Mahomes. He's no Deshaun Watson. But Ryan Pace found a quarterback. Look at that. Woo-hoo. Oh, my goodness. No, let's not. Very, very small sample size. Let's not jump too far ahead here. But funny enough, and you know we talk about this all the time, I had a couple group message chains going, and I had just sent off a couple, all right, when does Foles come in? I meant it semi-sarcastically and then before you know it well there he is (laughs) it was the second drive of the third quarter which by the way very short leash leash for Mitch Trubisky coming out of halftime struggling during the first half which we'll definitely get to that after touching on Nick Foles which (laughs) is definitely the most important factor of the game obviously giving him a chance but comes out first drive throws the interception And then before you know it, visor and all, here comes Nick Foles, which I'm a little upset he took off the visor for his second drive out there. That was a little upsetting, but it was a little nerve-wracking, I guess you could say, when he entered the game, only because as a Bears fan, you felt at that moment, all right, here it is, because it could go only one of a few directions, one He could be the knight in shining armor this game. And how crazy will it be if he brings us to victory, which he ultimately ended up doing? Whole lot of fun there. We're going to get more to that. Or it could be so-so. It could be average. And then you're still kind of asking questions along the way. Probably relieved that Mitch is out. And you could see somebody new and probably more capable under center. Or the third part that I was thinking of, It could be a complete shit show, and if he does worse or equal to Mitch, 
we're going to have a very, very somber feeling after this game, and it is not looking good for the Bears. So that was my initial feeling going in is it's go time. This is the only other option we have. We have to make this work. And then, holy hell, what happened? Let's think about this for a quick second, shall we? Let's do it. He practically threw five touchdowns in (laughs) a row. One to Allen Robinson, which was called a touchdown, and then overturned, turned into an interception. Robinson, second time this year. Don't let somebody out-muscle you for the ball. I don't care if it happens two times in a season, but two times right off the bat to start. No, just no. Please, next time, hold on to it. I mean, if he holds on to it 50-50 the whole way and just maintains possession with the defender, it's a touchdown. I digress. Whatever. That one's wiped off the board. And then Foles goes, all right, well, we still have a shot at this because the Falcons go three and out, give the ball right back to the Bears. Throws a sweet pass to Anthony Miller in the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, but wait, there's more. Overturned. Miller actually doesn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't have possession. No touchdown. Turnover on downs. All right. Then we go to the three touchdowns he did complete that were not overturned. Thank God. Jimmy Graham, thanks for being there once again when we need you. But he didn't let that get him down. And let's rewind, if you can, Joey. Can you allow me to rewind a little bit to one of my previous thoughts on the podcast? It was one of the episodes we had, and we were talking about Mitchell Trubisky and how you have to get over the drop passes or the bad moments. Good teams, good players, rise above. Don't let that affect them. If their guy drops a pass, if their guy commits a penalty, they have their back. They go out, and instead of throwing an inaccurate pass, they throw a beauty, or they make a play. And that's what Foles did. Think about the situation he came into, which two touchdowns, he leads the team down the field, both overturned. So now in those two good drives, you have a goose egg. And he still didn't let that affect him to the point where he threw in the towel. And I'm not expecting him to throw in the towel, but it seems like he didn't really even get deflated. And sure, it helps that Matt Ryan, for whatever reason, just what the bed, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, in the second half, it, terrible offensive performance by Matt Ryan and the majority of the offense. I mean, they were running the ball fantastically against the Bears. They kind of got away from that. And before you know it, three and out, three and out, three and out. Here you go, Bears. Nope. Oh, you didn't work the first time, not the second time. Please try, try again. And it almost seems like that was enough to keep Nick Foles' confidence. And like I said, it could have been five touchdowns in a row, five awesome drives in a row after the offense looked so stagnant, bad, however you want to put it, in the first half in the game and for the first drive of that of that second half where Mitchell threw the interception. And I'm sorry, Joey. I'll toss it back to you. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of thoughts there initially I had on the whole Nick Nick Foles performance and what I felt it meant from the get-go once he went in there. Once again, I'm going to mention the visor again. I hate that he took the visor off. But anyways, because the visor I did too. Cool. I thought it looked badass. It looked great. But nerve to just to answer your initial question, nerve-wracking. It really was. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I was n- really nervous. I was almost just kind of shocked. It was, it was, 
it was something we kind of expected to happen at some point, but it was the idea of it just probably wouldn't because they'd never do that, and they want to give Trubisky every opportunity to succeed, and it happened. And then whatever happens from there, he's playing with house money. He's got no pressure on him. Sure, he had a big contract, but that was with some other team, and he came to Chicago as a backup, knew that, and and, and ran with it. And so I think, you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk about what that means moving forward, but there's kind of a... I don't know, a comfortability now, if that's even a word, or confidence, I think, for Bears fans, knowing that when they go into a game, there's a competent quarterback. And that's something I think you haven't had. Like, you felt very risky and very on edge a lot of the time with Trubisky in there, waiting for him to take that next step, and he just kind of didn't. But let's go back and talk about what led to this move. And I want to look at the first half because there's kind of a rhythm and a flow to an offense, right? And you have Matt Nagy that is trying to build up offensive plays to then take the big shot. And they tried to do those dink and dunks, and they and they ran the ball all right in the first half. But they couldn't get over the hump to get a sustained drive going. And when they tried to, when they finally made some connections to really move the ball, it says, okay, we've built this up. The defense is expecting us to do this. We're going to do the other. We're going to do the opposite. And you went for two deep balls to Miller and Mooney. And Trubisky missed on both of them. And that kills the flow of your drive. Even the bad teams with an average quarterback hit on those. Even in garbage time, whatever it is. And and they couldn't get there. And so you, you have an offense that kept getting stalled. And Negi couldn't get to that next level. Because if you make a 50-yard reception, then it sets up a whole new design of plays you can go to. And I think that was really leading to when this change was going to happen because you you kept getting stuck. And to go into the half with six minutes to go and only score six points, end up with ten, then come out in the first possession of the second half, throw that interception, that was it. That was the breaking point for, for Matt Nagy. And, and I don't know what that means for him and Ryan Pace. Now they view everything and we could talk about that, but there was a breaking point of I can't, coddle this guy anymore and try to make him work because he's just not it and he took the leap and he put in Nick Foles and he delivered and that's a that's a big deal I mean the, the, the quarterback's always been a controversial topic in Chicago but this one is I don't know I figured three weeks in we wouldn't be we wouldn't be here I, I was hoping Trubisky would be better but now I'm kind of I mean, I'm in two places. I'm excited because I want to see them with Foles, but I feel bad for the guy, and it's frustrating that they whiffed again on this quarterback, and Foles is, you know, he's great right now, but it's just the overall picture of what they were trying to do doesn't work. But I want to bring up one tweet, and I'll let you jump in. Um, Earl Bennett, former Bears receiver who had the joys of playing with Jay Cutler, uh, <laughs> wrote on Twitter, because he's become a Bears critic, which I find interesting in his post-Bears playing, but anyways... He said, there is no way you can tell me that a quarterback that's 2-0 would have been benched in the third game if you did not already have disbelief in him from the beginning. And I thought that was a very interesting comment because doesn't that kind of seem right? Like if you really believed in Trubisky, you would, you would know he could get through these slumps, get through these issues. Like you said, forget about the past and move forward and take advantage of your new opportunity versus dwelling but it seemed like this was, decision was kind of already made. It's kind of a really good observation that that you don't give up that easily. But I think Nagy's realizing 
this isn't going to get better. His job might even be on the line, and you had to make the change. Well, I think we've been talking about it on this show so far since episode one. It felt like when the Bears named Trubisky the starting quarterback before the first game of the season, there was two initial thoughts. One was, of course, typical. You kind of felt that was going to be the case for whatever reason. I mean, no preseason games. So, like you said, you you don't have anything like that to go on. But you still, as a Bears fan, just had that feeling, right? You had that feeling it was still going to be Mitch to start the year. And when they finally made it official, you also had a feeling of, this is going to be a short leash. This is not going to last too long. Because we almost know, (laughs) you can almost sense it, that it wasn't that he was necessarily better than Nick Foles during training camp leading up to week one. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. And maybe that was a deciding factor. Maybe. Kind of doubt it. Maybe. But what it feels like is, hey, this is a number two overall pick. You know, this was a first rounder of ours that we traded up to get. We traded up one spot to get. We're not going to quit on our investment just yet, but it is going to be an extremely short leash. He had that fourth quarter comeback in week one against the Lions, and that extended it into week two because it was getting a little iffy there. But then he showed us at the very end, they didn't pull in week one. They, they, they let him ride it out until that good comeback victory. And then week two came against the Giants, and there was never really no feeling of discomfort during that game until the very end, when it was already too late and it was on the defense, and you're not going to take Mitch out then because, it, like I said, it was already too late. He he survived long enough in that game against a Giants team who was out Saquon, without Saquon Barkley for the majority of the game. Now that brings us to week three, which we talked about. Going into this game, you're going to have – Quite a few questions answered because it's their toughest opponent thus far. An opponent who could score, the Falcons can. And Matt Ryan, when he wants to tear it up, he can. He was without Julio Jones offensively, you know, his best weapon, even though he's been lining it up with, with uh, Ridley. But still, it's a team who can put up points. And it's a team that potentially you would kind of have to go jab for jab with. And to your point that you just made, Mitch showed us he can't do that for the same reasons why he wasn't able to do it his first few years in the league. He can't throw the deep ball. He can't throw downfield. Not only the deep ball, I'm not even talking about the ones that are 20, 25 plus yards. He has a hard enough time throwing it 10, 15 plus yards and staying accurate. But yes, in today's NFL, I don't care how good the Bears defense is, which they had some iffy moments today also good moments but the bears can even go on the incline defensively and become even better for the next 14 weeks doesn't matter if you can't score points in today's nfl and you're not going to score points if from time to time you're not accurate enough and you can't throw past 15 20 yards You need those plays to extend drives. You need those plays to change momentum. You need those change to get those um, plays to get into an an aggressive flow that that you were talking about. If you want to be a team that can score points 
a team that could find a nice rhythm, a nice flow, you got to hit the deep passes. Mitch had multiple attempts in this game against the Falcons. He didn't get it done. So what that tells you is this can't be a guy you win consistently with. This can't be a guy you win against against the best teams in the NFC and hopefully one day soon enough against the best team in the AFC for a Super Bowl championship. It's not going to get it done. And he had that short leash. And in the first game, when it was either we pull Mitch or we lose, you know, when it got within second half, I mean, the Bears come out losing. Mitch throws an interception to start in the first drive to start, you know, start off the second half. And that's it. He's gone. And it made sense because, like, all right, this is it. This is the justification. We gave you that one last hurrah to prove that we should still invest in you. I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with that tweet in terms of, oh, they gave on, they gave up on him even before you know the season started. I think that they had a big feeling it probably wouldn't work out, which you could say is one and the same almost. <laughs> they had massive doubts, but I just think it's that simple. I think they for sure had plenty of doubts and they for sure once they got into that situation where it's getting iffy we're gonna pull this guy the main thing we talked about last show leading up once again into the falcons game today was hey this isn't the lions anymore in week one without kenny galladay this isn't the giants anymore who just suck this you know this is a team who even though they're zero three now blowing two leads in a row let that Cowboys game last week with the Falcons was laughable of a comeback. And now they let Nick Foles come off the bench and just wipe the floor with them. But it's still a team where, like I said, they could put up points and they could give you a run for their money offensively in the red zone this year. Defensively, they've been terrible and they had plenty of guys out on defense, but I'm not necessarily going to hold that against Nick Foles today. He still did his job, but you know, just to address that mindset, I just think it was simple. It's as simple as they had their doubts. The leash was short, and we knew it. Yeah, and it's it, it's just fascinating because I mean I think this has to be it, right? Like the the Trubisky era is over. You can't go oh, yeah. back to him, right? I, I don't see how. I mean, the if Nick Foles stays healthy. Right, right. Barring injury, yeah. Because right, I, no, I, of course, I feel terrible for Mitch. I mean, I, I mean, as a as a human, but there's a reality here. If he just wasn't good enough, and, and the Bears, well, he's not. Right, and he's just not. <laughs> and the Bears finally admitted that today. I think Nick Foles would have to really just suck for like two to three straight weeks because if you turn it back to Mitch, you cannot play this. Back and forth, Mitch to Foles, Foles to Mitch, and then maybe back to Foles. Right. I mean, at that point, if that even happens, this season's a wash. I know we're three and zero, but if you go back and forth multiple times, it's donezo. <laughs> what are we? What are we? What are we? A Pat Fitzgerald offense in Northwestern? You got five quarterbacks running in and out, maybe That's one slower thing. I mean, <laughs> hey, if they can make it work, whatever. But no, it's not going to work here in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. I he has to be done. I mean. Like I said, it, Nick Foles would have to inc- just completely 100% just lose the quarterback gig. It's it's his to lose now, right. and I think the, the leash is probably longer. 
they'll probably be a little more patient with him if he starts to struggle. With what he showed today, granted, once again, against a little bit of a depleted Falcons defense, which isn't that great anyways, especially in the red zone. They came in last place in red zone defense today, but he showed more competence and he showed that he could just play the position better. It's that simple. It is not sad what we're asking for. All we're asking for is competence in playing the position better. Exactly what you said. Like, how low is our bar? Well. (laughs) It's crazy. You can can only, considering what you had before Nick Foles, which was Mitch Trubisky and how he played the position, the bar can only be so high, right? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I mean, it's sad to say, but, and that's why we knew going in, the leash was so short, which I keep saying because he just hasn't proved that he could play the position at a good enough level to be a starting quarterback for a playoff contending team. So now this is what we have. We have Foles. Is he going to be the savior who took the Eagles to the Super Bowl? You betcha. Of course he <laughs> I is. love it. I hope so. I, I don't know if that's what we're going to get. I don't know how long this will last, but Joey, I'll say this. And then, then I kind of want to get your feelings on this. The first two games of the year, I was the guy who said, I get it. We're 2-0. and It comes with context. I think Mitch still, for the most part, kind of sucks. He has good moments. The teams we faced, luckily those good moments were good enough to make us, to, to get us to 2-0. and Us being the Bears. Apparently I'm part of the Bears now because it's us. Um, but it came with context. And I was happy. And those were thrilling wins, but I still felt a little eh, if you will, about the situation. I still do feel a little eh, but it is, like you said in the beginning of this show, it's a new perspective now you have on Bears football. We have somebody who's pretty confident, who at times can be pretty damn good. Hey, he's a former Super Bowl MVP. Can't tell me otherwise. That's a fact. Um, so the perspective now and every everything has changed and – while the Falcons just for two weeks in a row, I mean, they should just re- they should just be done with the rest of the season with the way they've just given up games the past two weeks. So it does have to come with that little bit of context. It does that victory today. They all do. But I'm leaning more on the side now where I'm just going to be happy and see where this goes. Th- th- this season could go a whole lot of different directions now. Pretty happy to see wh- which road it goes down. Right. There's there's a fresh perspective now it's instead of talking about okay this team could be x but they're hindered by y you're now starting a blank slate and you have a new quarterback that was brought here i guess for a reason now i mean i i I guess it, it it's finally come true that the real reason you brought him here was to be here for this exact situation of god forbid trubisky was unable to win this job outright or be competent or even good enough to win a few games. You have it now where this is it. It's over. The Trubisky era, I'm calling it now. It's <laughs> date of death. What is it? September 27th. It is over. And you have Nick Foles here to, to take you to that, hopefully, that, that next tier. And I, I, You're I, not going out on a limb by thinking that. No. And, and, <laughs> and, and I, hope, I, I hope he does well and I hope it works, but it's. It's just, it's a crazy concept. Like, if you really break it down, as you've been trying to build this whole team around Trubisky and coddle him and build an offense that works with the skill sets, and it kind of worked in 2018 where they made the playoffs, 
And then last What's year, the skill set, though? Is it a winning skill set? He can't throw the ball down the field. He's a great athlete. He just can't throw the ball. That's the argument. He's not a quarterback. He's an athlete. But, but that, Well, that's what I'm... Yeah. That's a problem. Give, give, turn him into Taysom Hill, then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just put him wide, get him on a couple quarterback sneaks, uh, put him in the running back position, just throw him every, everywhere, you know? Pull a, pull a Sean Payton and just... Uh, Put him, put him wherever you want. If, he, if he's just such a good athlete, there you go. Run a, I don't know, wide receiver, double he's, reverse. He's a new wildcat. Basically, I mean, if that's pretty much what he is, though, right? I mean, what? There's only so much you could do with his skill set to have some kind of sustainable success. Does he have enough skill set to where, like you said, he's an athlete? Is there enough there to put together a good game plan? against an ideal opponent, execute it well enough, and have him be the reason you win. Sure, how many things have to align, and how good does he really have to be that Sunday for that to happen? A whole lot of things. Right, he was always the quarterback you win with, not win because of. Yeah, well, if you can't throw the ball downfield, you're not the reason they're winning. That's true. (laughs) It's just that simple, and you're right. I don't want to make it sound like I'm this big Mitch Trubisky hater. I just... I'm of the belief that he's proven that he can only do so much at quarterback. Wish him the best as well. He'll be great. Hey, I will do I, – I would be ecstatic if you told me that starting tomorrow I could, I have a new career as just being a clipboard backup quarterback. In yeah, the right. Exactly. I'm all good. If Matt that's, Schaub, him, Glenn, and all those guys can still be employed, you'll be fine. I think there's two things that's going to happen. There, there's probably two outcomes here for Mitch Trubisky. Two, like, legitimate possible outcomes. I mean, sure, you could say he goes to a new team, he turns it around, and he's a good enough quarterback to be a starter in the NFL. Not only is he not a starter for the Bears, he's not a starter anywhere. I mean, I'm, it's going to be fun doing the show week 16, week 17, or right before the playoffs start, and you could have some talks where, oh, if Mitch Trubisky's on the market, is there a team that really wants him? There'll be teams who probably want him, but I don't know if they would want him to be a starter. I mean, it's just that simple. It's That's how you know the Bears made the right choice. I mean, the season can end in a couple weeks. We could go to the offseason. How many teams would covet a Mitch Trubisky? Not many. Not many at all. Can you imagine if they never brought Nick Foles in? Oh, boy. Well, they should have signed Cam <laughs> Newton in the first place, but that's besides the point. But, yes. Uh, there's a couple of veterans. Yeah, that's one of them that they could have brought in other than Nick Foles. But Nick Foles did his thing today. Like I said, basically, he he did go five drives in a row where he threw a touchdown pass. Two yeah. of them were overturned. But he went five times in a row. To the, he was in the red zone and gave the Bears a legitimate chance to score – Every single time. Yeah. Score a touchdown every single time. And that's something and you we couldn't say before, the, right. And if we weren't down in the game, we could have kicked field goals then. For all I know, we could have scored every single time. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wonder, this is almost now t- just touching on the game and how we even got there. Were the Falcons thrown off guard? Were they not prepared? Like, were they just so comfortable that the guy under center for the Bears was Mitch, was Mitch Trubisky, and oh, we got this. This guy can't play. There were teams last year that said, oh, our game plan is just have Mitch Trubisky play quarterback for as exactly. long as he can, and we're going to win the game. I wonder if when they saw Foles come in, they almost pushed too hard. 
even with play calling and everything else, they were doing great with the run. The Bears' run defense for the majority of that game was just ugh, hard to watch. It just really was. And their their run offense was hard to watch. Just both factors back and forth, whether yeah. it was their run defense or their run offense, was pretty bad. You get low grades for both those parts of the game, both those parts of the area for the Chicago Bears. But Foles comes in. And he's leading the team down the field, getting to the red zone. And the Falcons are doing the complete opposite and going three and out, three and out, three and out. I just wonder how much of a factor it was by, one, Nick Foles just simply entering the game. And the other component of that, Mitch Trubisky getting out. Yeah, I mean, well, let's be honest. The Falcons are going to Falcons. I mean, this is getting to be a theme yeah. now. I mean, 20 points last week, 16 points this week, Super Bowl 28 to 3. I mean, it's it's Thanks, liter- Tom Brady. You set the trend. <laughs> right? It's literally their MO. But no, I mean, that, that is a, an interesting concept because you've said it. Defenses for years have said, well, if Mitch is playing quarterback, then we'll win. And you have a defense in the Falcons that isn't very good, but they played really well today. But then you ask the question did they play really well, or was it because. Trubisky was in there, and they knew how to scheme to to attack him. And then you bring in Nick Foles as another element that can make the plays. Like they said, the 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 play that Trubisky overthrew Miller on in the first half that would have been a surefire touchdown was the exact same play they drew for Foles when he hit Miller in the end zone for a touchdown. That makes and, me feel very good. Right? So, But it's the idea of if the Falcons know you're not going to complete that play or they know how to cover it because they know Trubisky can attend to underthrow it to the right shoulder of Miller or overthrow it in that case, you know how to play it. This kind of put a, a unicorn in there and a wrinkle for him of how do we now defend this? And, and the offense is running in the way it's supposed to. And Matt Nagy, at least when he was brought on, it was my expectation of great. The Bears are going to be in shootouts. I mean, the defense is going to be good, but if they have to be in a shootout, they can do it. And the Bears have started so slow this year with these little dink-and-dunk field goal-ending drives when you get three points, six points, and you're heading under half like, what the hell's going on? Like, you're supposed to be better than this. And they weren't again today. And the Falcons can scheme towards that and know how these— you could almost know in advance how these drives are going to end. Now you bring in the X Factor of Foles— and it changes everything completely to where now if you're the Colts next week, you go, oh, we got a game plan now. Because there's a quarterback in here who's not going to be, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but he can run the system to its, its I guess, level of success that can be accepted. He's not going to be, a, you know, Super Bowl MVP probably again. I mean, it'd be nice. But oh, sure he is. <laughs> but it's the idea of he's able to run the system Nagy wants, and it allows them to cohesively work together. And he one doesn't have to adjust for the other, and the flaws and the skills of each one of them as a play caller or a quarterback. And that's at least what I'm looking forward to. It's some sense of consistency and camaraderie between the quarterback and the coach that was almost, I think, forced for the last few years. And I'll, I'll pump the brakes a little here before I say this. And, you know, there's a few more things you do want to touch on before we go over to that. Get the, get the handkerchief out. That series that was the Cubs and White Sox. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, we'll get to that and just how the White Sox have been bad this past week. But a few more things to note about this, too, is remember last season. This is something I want to reminisce on is it was Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy offense 2.0. And the offensively, the sky was the limit for this team in terms of creativity 
in just staying in games. Like the offense is going to stay in games. We will. We're going to compete. We're going to be creative. And this is going to be fun to watch. And then there was an offensive debacle last year. 2.0 was actually Met Nagy offense negative 1.0. Took a couple steps back. Then going into the start of this season, you didn't really know what you had. You didn't have too much faith in what the offense was going to be, both from a creative side and a starting quarterback side. And now with Foles entering the game today in the second half and hanging 20 on the Falcons in the fourth quarter of lo- alone and going red zone trip to red zone trip to red zone trip, it almost gets me wondering again, like, hey, like you said, this is a guy who could run a Matt Nagy-style offense and comprehend it and do what needs to be done out there. Are we maybe going to see it now in terms of the the fun aspects of it, the more creative aspects of it? The Philly special? I hope, I hope so. And let's still mention this. It, it seems like with Tariq Cohen possibly out for the year, looks like an ACL injury. He's definitely one of the main parts of that creativity, you know, that, that the Bears have shown that they can do. Um, so that sucks. <laughs> did did want to mention that. I mean, there's some optimism moving forward with this team. Uh, and luckily, there is enough depth at running back to where you're not extremely worried just from, you know, a, a depth perspective. But Tariq Cohen returns kicks. Great at running back when you know, when he's out there in the open field can make guys can make guys miss because he's so swift and that's going to be rough. Um, so obviously did want to touch on that, but Hey man, 437 total yards by the Chicago bears today. They had more total yards, more passing yards and just 14 less rushing yards, 307 passing yards today by the bears, 437 total. What? <laughs> Only four punts. Yeah. Well, hey, the, the four punts. The Madden prediction is now alive and well of them winning the Super Bowl and being Nick Foles having a career year scoring over I think it was probably twenty something touchdowns and four thousand. Creepy. It's yards, almost like right? they knew the Bears would start at least three and zero. Maybe I love it. I, the it's, one. <laughs> it's just wild. The one thing I want to say on Tariq Cohen, and then we got to talk about I don't know a little bit of defense. I know we got to get to baseball, but the one thing I'll say about Tariq Cohen is. It sucks, and, and I know he's a big part Very. of this offense. Um, and to go down like that on a fluke play where you get run into on a fair catch because accident. And the one thing I will say that I wonder, I don't have to ask or read the reports, but Sheriff McManus was out today for the Bears, their special team star. You had you had their backup in there in Kendall Vilder, 22, who shoved the defender on special teams into Tariq Cohen. And I wonder if McManus is in there, that doesn't happen. I'm not going to be like a conspiracy theorist, like guy, but I don't know. I, I don't know how they would have lined up on that punt. But anyways, yeah. um, am I weird? Well, yes. But am, yes. I, <laughs> am I weird in saying that I'm really not concerned about losing Tariq Cohen? I feel like they've built this offense in a way that has developed to where – he hasn't really grown as much as we'd like to see him grow either. And I know he could be a gadget, but for what Cordero Patterson has showed me, for what a healthy David Montgomery has showed me, where both those guys can be a factor, both behind the line of scrimmage as a running back, as a pass catcher, and as a receiver. And as a returner. If you're and as a returner, right. Yeah. I'm kind of like, this is okay. Like, I'm not I'm not as devastated that he's out because his, his trajectory has kind of gone down, too, on the same... Uh, 
schedule as Trubisky's in a way, in my eyes. I could be dead wrong, but I, there, there's a part of me that goes, it sucks that he's hurt. You never want to lose a guy like that. But I'm okay with it because everything else they've shown me knows they can fill that hole. Right. No, and, and that's what I meant by – I will say that I'm glad the guy got paid. Good for you, too. Hell yeah. For that Good timing, very man. Glad, very glad he got paid. Does that mean Robinson gets hurt next week if he signs his deal? Oh, <laughs> Just keep it going. No, please don't. But, no, David Montgomery showed that he could be a workhorse, and Patterson has showed you plenty even as, as a potential gadget guy himself. Even if you want to get gidgety and gadgety, he can be that guy, and right. he could take a few snaps off of, you know, off of, um, you know, you know, the heels of, of somebody like that, of a David Montgomery. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's weird. It, it feels the same way. It sucks, you know, more or less sucks. But you know, when you got Montgomery and Patterson back there, who could fill the holes? And I, luckily, I think they will be fine offensively. Like it's not a huge blow to the offense, right. even though it sucks. He's fun to watch, great personality out there. You know, he just always looks energetic and, for the most part, having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he got paid. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. It's you know what Montgomery has shown in terms of being, you know, he could be a workhorse. And like I said, terrible, terrible performance today. Just offensive offensive line by the Bears in terms of run protection mm-hmm. just wasn't great. But really bad wasn't necessarily on Montgomery. You fix no. that up and you, you create a couple holes for him, I think Montgomery will be fine. So yeah. now, right. no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in terms of luckily there's enough depth there starting with your main workhorse right. and David Montgomery. All right, really quick before we get to baseball, because we didn't talk about the defense at all, do you still believe in the Chicago Bears defense? Because I have weird questions of the first half and the second half are different stories again for me. And I think allowing 26 points and – their zones didn't really work because they didn't have the pass rush up front. And Eddie Goldman still is a big factor up the middle for them, as you saw with Gurley today. I don't know where I stand still with this defense because they're not as good as we thought they were supposed to be. But then in the second half, Matt Ryan craps the bet again. They hold them scoreless after they score their 26 point, and the Bears score, they're unanswered. So I don't know how I answer the question for me. So I'm throwing it to you. Do you still <laughs> believe in the Chicago Bears defense as elite in this league? Oh, man. you hit me with that last part. I'll say, yes, I do believe in this Bears defense and that and that they could be very good. Elites, no, at least from what they've shown. I have very, very little optimism that they could be an elite defense and we could win even three, four games because of them. No, I just don't see that. What I can say is that I still believe they could be good. And for what it's worth, you see, you know, little parts here where Todd Gurley's just comfortably running on them, or it's late in the game, and we come just a drop pass shy from a receiver of blowing it at the end. And there's there's just things out there that you don't like to see. But I will say this: they still have some playmakers and playmakers up front and in the line and in the linebacking court. Roquan Smith tackles with the best of them. You know, Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack had really good games today. I mean, just from what they were doing out there, putting in the hustle and Akeem Hicks just being the monster that he always is. You know, if if they stay a healthy group, definitely still believe that they could be a pretty damn good defense. And for what it's worth, they still get us the turnovers. I mean, there's still a unit who 
could still get the ball for you when need be. We've seen it week in and week out to start the season. You know, these first few games, they've been able to turn the ball over. So considering they still have stars and playmakers there, there's some things you don't necessarily like to see. Maybe starting in the trenches, you know, with the run game and what offenses have been able to do. You know, sometimes get, let's remember what Adrian Peterson did against them, right? Yeah, exactly. Signs, <laughs> signs on Tuesday combines for over 100 yards on Sunday. You know, <laughs> that still just doesn't make That's me feel That's a great really employee. Good. That's a great hire. May have some HR yeah. issues, but otherwise on the field, he's fine. <laughs> there you go. So there's some things that are going to have to be done in order to, you know, build up my faith again in terms of considering them elites. I don't even know if I would keep them within the top five. But they still have playmakers. I'm still comfortable. You know, when you have guys out there like Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, and your units where you could get me the turnovers, and it, it doesn't necessarily sometimes, you know, doesn't necessarily have to even come from one of those main guys who gets you the turnover. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly how you would feel, but um, in terms of considering them elite still, but. They're a good defense. They're a good defense, and if we could pick it up one, two, maybe three notches on offense, then they don't even have to be as good, and they can be on the field a lot less. But still keep up with the turnovers, please. I agree. Keep up with turnovers. They're fun. They make me yell on my couch of happiness. They're All right. <laughs> so the Trubisky era seems to be over. The Bears take this one. They're 3-0. and Let's jump in to while well, that era is over. The new era of White Sox and Cubs baseball in the playoffs together begins, if you can believe it, this week. Yeah. Wild card round. The, the yeah. Full schedule. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's the, wild. Uh, White Sox and the A's. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. That's a tough um, draw. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a very tough draw. But you know what? I, I'm with it. You know, you, you have to beat more than one good team yeah. to win the world. You have to beat a couple if you want to win it all. So put us up against who, who wouldn't have been a tough draw. You know what I mean? Like The Marlins at which the Cubs got. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I, I But I guess I should have phrased that a little better. Like, who wouldn't have been a tough draw on the AL side? Fair, fair, fair. Right? Like, there's almost no team on the AL side. I mean, just think about it. From I'll just even go down the list. You have... Tampa facing the Blue Jays. I mean, maybe the Blue Jays, but we wouldn't have got them anyways because they're eight, we're seven. I mean, you got Tampa Bay, Cleveland, who's very comfortable against us. Minnesota, who has a division foe, also scares me. Mm-hmm. And then the A's, you know, who we got dealt with. I mean, it was either really going to be between Tampa Bay and Oakland toward the very end, yeah. and Tampa Bay's as hot as it is. So, I mean, I guess the thing is, if you could get past the A's, then you don't have to face the winners of Tampa Bay Blue Jays, which somebody would think maybe Tampa Bay or winners of, you know, you would have been in that bracket or you would have been within the Cleveland on the Cleveland, New York side, which they're not. You know, they're on the side of Minnesota and Houston. So whoever comes out of there, maybe Houston finds the garbage cans and get past the (laughs) Twins. Maybe they don't. But if you could get past the A's, you're either facing a Twins club who good squad, but you're familiar with. And should feel maybe even a little more comfortable against in a postseason, you know, environment. Rather it be a team who's not in your division, who you have to face in the postseason. Or if you get past the A's and it's Houston, well, they're not the same Astros unless they do bring the garbage cans. Fair enough. But for this season, they haven't been the same Astros. So 
if you can get past the A's, whoever that opponent is, Twins or Astros, I don't feel incredibly nervous. I really don't. I feel that they could get past that round too. All starts with the A's, though, who are yeah. an incredible team. We touched on them for a little last week. The Sox, bats until, you know, the last couple days. And 10 to 8 today, we're recording this on Sunday, the last game of the series. Cubs 10, Sox 8, they came and rallied, so they brought the bats back. Yeah. But it's been so, a little rough for, for the for the Sox, just all around, offensively and, you know, pitching. Not necessarily the ideal way you wanted to end the season after how you started it. I was hoping for at least some kind of salvaging series win against the Cubs this weekend. Didn't get that. But now you just start over. It's postseason. You know, you like to end the regular season right. really hot and bring that momentum into the postseason. That's not the case. They didn't end the season hot. They ended it on a fairly okay note because they didn't, after being down almost what felt like a century's worth of runs to the Cubs earlier today, they fought back and they didn't quit. And thanks to Louis Robert, who what was it, five plus hits over the weekend, um, he sh- that's somebody we definitely need number 88 to shine bright during the October lights. And somebody's got to carry them. You know, we, I mean, we, and we do have the AL MVP, by the way, on the roster. So, and, and Jose Abreu, we should definitely win the AL MVP. So, I mean, things can happen, but you're not necessarily riding riding high or hot in terms of finishing the season into the postseason. So that's why it's just a little bit more of just the reset. Reset, go out against Oakland, and who knows? I mean, a, a playoff series victory, if it were to happen, would be phenomenal for the White Sox here in 2020. If not... We can assess that in terms of how it is exactly they go down if they don't get past Oakland, but give it your all, boys. We got some arms to do it. Giolito, Keichel, he's been there before. Like to see it happen, but you know, it's it's a tough draw. And you're right. I if the Marlins were in the AL, I <laughs> wish we could have gotten the Marlins. But. I love that with the Marlins and like the Brewers clinch a spot, and the Brewers have not been over 500 a single day this season, and they made yikes. It. Well, they obviously deserve to then, of course. <laughs> I just it's yeah, insane. there's that's the thing with you know. I think about like Ernie Banks, right? Ernie Banks never made the playoffs in his entire career with the Cubs, and this year you have a 16 team expanded playoff where teams under 500 are making it. And he's like, I mean, obviously he's long gone now, but it's the idea of he never got that chance on probably better Cub teams than the Brewers and the Marlins are this time, and they just rolled in like, hey, we're here. It's like that's that's bullshit. <laughs> he deserves yeah. it more than those guys. Well, that is the – that's what happens when you expand the playoffs. And I know it's, crazy. it's somewhat almost of a little a bit of a test in this COVID era because short season, more teams in. Yeah. It makes sense. For what it's worth this year, makes sense. Yes. Right. I feel it might become a trend though. Oh, to get extra <laughs> playoff money gonna... for the owners? Absolutely. And I would it's much prefer – a wild card round that's three games versus one that I agree with, but not there doesn't need to be the division winners don't need to be playing in the wild card round. That's that's stupid to me. No, uh, yeah, I do like a best of three wild card series if it's set up the way it's set up this year. You know, when you have more teams in, it does make sense to have you know more than just one game. But I'm not gonna lie. I was one of the few who was a huge fan and loved the one game wild card postseason that we had, you know, the, the past few seasons. 
two big reasons. One, it's actually my main reason actually isn't just the excitement in theater that it brings, which baseball desperately needs. The more excitement, the more the, the more theatrics we can bring and drama, the better for a sport like baseball, right? We can agree on that. But also, it puts that much more of an emphasis on winning the division. Hey, you don't want to go to a one-game postseason matchup for the wild card just to see who's going to get into the next round and you know for the five-game series. Win your division. It makes you're going to play 162 games. You might as well make the division worth something, right? Like you might as well make winning the division worth a lot, and it is worth a lot if you finish second. And now you have to play in what could become a very fluky, just one game wild card matchup. So that's why I did like the one game, one and done. See who gets in as the, you know almost the official wild card team, even though you were technically an official postseason team. That's what I loved about it. it brings theater. It brings drama. And it puts more incentive on actually winning your damn division, which I love. Yeah, but I think it's ridiculous that 162 games comes down to one. That's just obscene to me. I, like, football makes sense. It's very single elimination oriented. But I don't know. I, I didn't love it. But I, I, I'm excited for playoff baseball. On my side of town, the Cubs bats woke up. Chris Bryant is alive, so suck it, all you haters, because but- he's back. There you go. Are, so maybe he listen. He has to listen to this, right? Show, right? He has to. It's confirmed. It's confirmed. confirmed. Chris Bryant listened to the podcast, <laughs> and Joey Gelman is the reason why. Absolutely. He's doing, he said, "You know what? You're damn right, Joey. I'm going to go out." Did he double or triple his RBI total for the season? Right, in two like days. This yeah. This weekend. Oh my. That's awesome. So, so that's like the biggest takeaway we can take for both teams is the bats have come alive again. And that is essential because postseason playoffs can go like that. And we've seen that for both these teams. Whether it was the last one the White Sox were on, in it, whether the last time the Cubs were in it before this run, they can go really, really quickly. And so you need your bath to come alive, and, and I'm excited for that. I really am. But I want to go back to your playoff thing. We can get back to the Cubs and Sox. But I just want to – one more thing of – you were always saying that – it brought theater, excitement, and drama, and it's expanded playoffs and bringing everybody in. It's baseball desperate, desperately needs. You are now going six years without seeing Mike Trout in the playoffs. Six years. Can you imagine? That bothers you, doesn't it? It pisses me <laughs> off. Yeah. He's, he's the, probably one of the best players of a generation that nobody knows. And it's, it's such a baseball thing to have that guy never sniff the postseason. Can you imagine if LeBron James didn't make it for six straight years? The world would have exploded. This yeah, but LeBron, LeBron James figured out how to find a good enough team, and in a sport like basketball, he can even play in a craft team and be the reason they make the playoffs, which we actually discussed on last episode. Right. Episode five. Give it a listen if you haven't. <laughs> right. But it's just it's, it's mind-boggling to me that you're going to have the greatest player of the last decade again miss out, and somehow a random Marlins team, a random Brewers team gets in, and the, then the secondary team in LA can't get their can't get their act together to to make a postseason run to showcase the best player in the league. Because Manfred said, if Trout wants to get famous, it's his prerogative. I'm not going to help him. And it clearly, the Angels aren't helping him either. So I don't know what to do. You're going to hate me for this, but <laughs> good. <laughs> it's on it's on the Angels and it's on Trout if he wants to play in the postseason. I don't I don't necessarily put it on MLB. I don't think you have to add. Two, three teams with the main reason being because we need Trout in the playoffs. Angels, figure it out. Right. Mike no, you, Trout, don't sign the rest of your career Exactly. Away then, you, you don't, you don't, I'm not asking Louie to do more to expand the playoffs for him, 
they need to market him better, but it, it's the idea of they expand the playoffs and he still can't make it. And I know baseball's a team sport, it's different, but it's just like, come on, like all I want to see is Mike Trout in the playoffs, along with my Cubs, along with your Sox, along with the Dodgers, along with these best teams in baseball, and I'm missing I'm missing the stud. But anyways, I mean, we'll get back to Cubs and Sox. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, uh, I actually want to touch on that for, you know, just, just one quick thought I have on that too. It's you, that's why you have to have so much talent. If you're if you're the White Sox, you have to have. It's essential to have them. <laughs> Not only have the talent there in terms of potential, but have it flourish in terms of guys like, you know, Louis Robert and Yon Moncada and Eloy Jimenez and a veteran like Jose Abreu. You like think of all the names the Sox have, and they didn't even, they didn't even win the division. You know, they had it, but you know it kind of got away at the end. But look at all the names they have. Go back to all the names the Cubs have had, you know, throughout the past five plus seasons, the Rizzo's, the Bryans, the by you need so many of the stars on one team to make an official enough run to where if you're a team like the Angels, who I mean, and you know, they, they have a you know, Albert Pujols, whatever. But if you only have a couple of those stars on your team, and especially if those stars aren't pitching studs, you can maybe only go so far. You know, where in basketball, as long as you have one or two and a couple of the role players or other sports, you know, if you're the Chiefs and you have a Patty Mahomes and you put enough good guys around them, great at quarterback, which is also, I mean, shit, there's, you know, 11, 10 more guys on offense, 11 on defense that have to fill in the holes. But still, it, it just goes to show you how it's so hard to get the biggest stars on the stage. It can happen, but in order to get the biggest stars on the stage, it's like they're a lot of them are just on one team or a few teams mm-hmm. like the Yankees or the Red Sox, you know, in years prior, like it always felt that way. And that's one of the reasons why you don't have a Mike Trout in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, g- going back to uh, the boys on the North side and the South side, it feels damn good. I mean, we've talked about a few times first time for the White Sox in 2008. I almost forgot what it felt like. I mean, I really did. Like I'm going to watch, White Sox postseason baseball. There was 05, which for me was a magical year. <laughs> One of the best years, if not maybe it is the best year of my life so far, the 2005 Chicago White Sox. And, you know, after that, I mean, like you said, the, the, my very last memory of the playoffs goes back to 08 when we got swept by the Rays, I want to say. And that was the year Carlos Quentin, you know, was banging on a bat. I want to say it was in Cleveland, messed up his arm and, he was in the AL MVP race that year, and we didn't even have him. So the last time we were in the playoffs, you know, not necessarily the best type of memories. There was the blackout game before that against the Twins, the the one nothing victory, which yeah, was that was amazing. sweet. That was really sweet. The Ken Giffrey Jr. throw it at home plate, the Jim Tomey home run, the Brian Anderson catch to seal things. But yeah, it's I'll, I'll just I'll cherish that is that I could actually sit down on my couch. Maybe have an adult beverage, maybe not, and just watch. I will, and just get to watch some White Sox postseason baseball. It's been so long, and you know, no matter what happens against the A's, like I said, unless it's just this complete debacle, which will end up breaking down on the show. I'm glad that they're at least there. They get the experience. Thankfully that it happened, and you know, we're running up against the clock here. But you know, later on this week, we'll go more in depth into this playoff round for both the the White Sox and Cubs. And just hoping, hoping it'll be fun. Bears are three and zero and going to the Super Bowl. And the White Sox and the Cubs are in the playoffs and are going to face each other in the World Series. I mean, what else do you want to ask for? 
There's nothing more I can ask for. It's beautiful. And I can't wait. I'm stoked for Cubs playoff baseball to start. The Bears are 3-0 in a weird way, and now I'm even more hopeful than before because they made a quarterback change, and Nick Foles is now the man. And we are waiting to see, you know, what that means for them moving forward. It, it, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun week of of debates and conversations for all these teams because they're all the top storylines. It's going to be a blast. First time in a long time. Absolutely. Very long time. I'll take it. Take it into, I, I hope they make headlines for the next for the next few weeks. Let's go, baby. What what I do want to know is, do you have all the playoff gear ready? I know some people watch the clips and whatnot of us on on our Skype calls. You know, we'll post them on our Twitter at tweet Dan Collins at tweet Joey Gelman. Joey right now totally decked out in the beers gear, which I love. I have the beers game, you know, the the beers hat on because it is it is beer Sunday, but. You got all the Cubs gear. You ready? What are we wearing? Are we wearing? Are you going nostalgic for the first round? Because I know, I know you do have the garb. But are you going nostalgic and doing <laughs> World Series jersey? Are you doing? Is it just T-shirt? Is it just hat? What What are we going with? Do you have it all ready? That's a good question. I think I'll do. I'll either do the World Series shirt, or if it's chilly, I have the long sleeve NL pennant. And since we're still on the NL side of the playoffs, I can wear that shirt up until it would hopefully be necessary to wear a World Series shirt. I'm so God, I'm a nerd. I wear – oh, we both are. I wear my White Sox 2005 stuff almost more often than maybe even I should. No, you can't wear that stuff enough. Um, you got you got to keep the city reminded because everybody else wants to forget on a national level that that year ever happened in the <laughs> in sports and or at least in baseball. You know, that Dan, year didn't exist. I'm not going to give away your email, but the 2005 is in your email. It's how big it is in your life. Correct. It's also in my telephone number. So if anybody else <laughs> wants to guess, it really is. You can guess our emails um, and telephone numbers. There you go. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I might break out some of the, uh, the old five stuff. If not, there's, there's plenty of white socks and stuff in the closet, um, that I could throw on. But anyways, at least, you know, Joey and I will be dressed to impress, uh, once the postseason rolls around. Like I said, on the next episode here later on in the week, we're definitely going to break down a little more baseball for you, but Bear Sunday victory today. The boys are 3-0, like Joey said. They have a new quarterback. And as Joey made official on the show, the Mitch Trubisky time in Chicago with the Bears, over. <laughs> you made it official. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Uh, once again, you can catch this magnificent show, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever the heck you get your podcast. It's the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast. He's Joey Gelman. I'm Dan Collins. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.